This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. On Monday, April 30th, a billboard in London showed all five original members of Guns N' Roses, and speculation went rampant. Here is an actual fan's account of this turbulent and exciting week. Monday. The reunion is finally going to happen! I'm so happy and can't wait to do cocaine again. It's been 22 years! Tuesday. I got arrested trying to buy cocaine on the dark web. I thought the dark web was the same as Craigslist. It's cool. I bailed out and can't wait for the original lineup of GNR. Destruction is coming! It says so on the not dark web. Thursday. Re-releasing a record that I have six copies of? This is destruction coming? I tried to buy cocaine on Craigslist for this. The only destruction that came is my heart being broken again. Who the fuck puts billboards up for a re-release of a record? I'm not going to do cocaine for that. Friday. I have diarrhea now. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, everyone. I am your host, uh, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... How you doing, buckaroo? My name's Brandon Hahn, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. Hi, pal. I'm Jocelyn Sharp, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. Howdy, y'all. You can get me at Rise to a Fan on Twitter and, and or Instagram at official something Rise to a Fan. What prompted the Southern accent here? Whoa. I, dude, I went from howdy, y'all, from... You went... How'd you go? I just went, Hi. Yeah. I went Brady. And Bunch. how'd you go, pal? Hi, she pal. went. Yeah, she went Brady Bunch. We both yeah. went Brady. And Bunch. I went. Howdy, y'all. Yeah, you yeah. went. We we're like Brady Bunch, and then you like changed the channel to Howdy Doody. Yeah. <laughs> this week, guys, big interview. Uh, a band that I am just all about. We got Mike Scheidt from Yob. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the new record, Our Raw Heart, which comes out June 8th on Relast Re- Records, guys. I've been listening to it nonstop. It's amazing. So, but before that, before this uh, interview, we always like to jump into the. Metal sucks news, guys. Uh, a lot of little, a lot of interesting stories this week. We, it was hard for us to pick which ones we t- wanted to talk about, but the one thing that we do want to touch base on because we did talk about it uh, before was Gibson uh, finally did uh, officially filed bankruptcy. But uh, like most things that when someone files bankruptcy, it's like bankruptcy prote- protection. Well, dude, it, so it's like hard to understand what that means. They're all, not going out of business, but they're... Yeah, they're, I'm too dumb to understand how bankruptcy works. No, it, <laughs> I so am I. Get it. This, is, this is all I know. Like when a, when a business files for bankruptcy it confuses me because it makes because i was always under the un- assumption that that person who started it up would be no money that means yeah, there's no money out in the of, bank out of business their bank is rupt yes it's like i don't their I bank had, is rupt. like if like if, if it was monopoly they landed on boardwalk and they don't have two hundred dollars yes, yes. Yeah, zero dollars that's what i thought but I'm then you. you but then the president has got like a billion bankruptcies and he's like hey I, i'm still smart with well, my money a, like a bankruptcy just wipes your debt Okay, and but they, you, may, you have to make some sort of deal for your debt to get wiped out. Say, say like, I don't know about, because I don't know, I'm just like you guys on the bankruptcy. But we're say, so dumb. Yeah, <laughs> so we're talking about something we don't know nothing about, which is awesome, dude. But say you like are like, hey, I, I can't afford my bills anymore, da, 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 da. Like a judge or someone would say like, okay, well, you can keep your house and your car because you need that to get to work and we'll wipe out all your credit card debt. That's like yes. some sort of deal you make. Yes. But that's not bankruptcy protection. That's bankruptcy. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like a forgiveness in a way. But bankruptcy protection means you're being protected 
from that happening. So maybe it's like a kind of like a stay of debt where it like freezes it for a second so you can like catch your breath. You know when you're like going down up the stairs with a bag of chips and then you're like, this is too many stairs. Okay, okay. Let me wait, to wait, stop. Why did we choose this story when we were <laughs> talking as a group? Because we started off with Brandon wait saying- Wait a minute, who's got a bag of chips? <laughs> no, no, no. They no. make it up a flight and they're like, oh, this me, crunch, me, crunch. <laughs> this is what we said about this. Brandon, you said it's banked, but then it's rupt. And then yeah. Jocelyn said a bag of chips right going now, up the stairs. Yeah, right now all of our brains are rupt. It's fucking, there is just nothing in there. I need to file there. for bankruptcy yeah, protection All of our brain. skulls are rupt of our brains. You That's guys uh, write us and tell us what the fuck bankruptcy yeah, is. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us what you think about this? Because we don't know enough to think anything about it. Yeah, we're brain And Speaking of bankruptcy, let's move on to our next story. Yeah, uh, thank ba- you. Baby Metal has their own record label. <laughs> All right. Pederass is now something we know how to no, talk no. about. Oh, whoa, whoa. No, okay, no, whoa, look. Just their fans, whoa. not the Not band. all their fans. Not all their fans. Let's, let's not, not generalize. Not but only the male ones. A bigger percentage... <laughs> A bigger percentage of that band's fans are pederasses than, let's just say, other bands. I'm sorry, but every time you say pederass, I think you're calling Pete an ass. I just want you to know Okay, pederass. You're right, yeah. My name is Petter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pederass. Okay. It's, it's, I think it's pederast. Okay. <laughs> pederast. Okay, there you go. got it. Is okay. it nuclear? It's you guys. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Everybody listening is proud of me right yeah. now. So uh, anyway, so what they're doing, I guess uh, they're joining with... 5B Artist Management and Cooking Vinyl, and there's going to be a new record label called Baby Metal Records. So they're kind of selling their brand, and I guess they're going to get bands that maybe, I don't know who they're going to so sign. So do you have to be like a, like another infantile it's metal just band? to me. This is going to work, isn't it? What? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, it's going to make a bajillion dollars, <laughs> yes, and, and we're going to be talking in like because three months it. about how much we hate it. Everything we hate <laughs> and everything we don't know about works. Just Gibson uh, Guitars doesn't work. Gibson. Baby yeah. Metal Records. Yeah. Watch which, Slam Dunk. Which is what pisses me off of that Gibson Guitars is struggling to make business happen. Just a phenomenal pillar of music and everything I love. And then Baby Metal's like, we're going to start a record label. Yeah, hey, what's up? Oh, wait, they had to take the pacifiers out of their mouth first. So they're like... We're Look, gonna start a record label. I'll sign, okay, I'll sign your contract, but you got to make sure you cut the crust off the PB and J, and you got yourself a band. <laughs> hey, there's pull-ups in my writer, and there was no pull-ups yeah, in my green the, room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said push-ups in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, dude, just, I, I just don't get it. Like, why do you have to? What qualifies you for Baby Metal Records? Well, I, I do believe you guys are missing out that there is a a very young like preteen teenage fan base that you know pop music sells millions of shit to and you could probably sell some sort of form of metal to these you know tweens yeah, and stuff fair. so in all fairness like there is a market for this i know that i mean the the, the joke of like you know older men of our age, like 40-year-old men into baby metal is creepy as fuck. Yes. That joke will never die. Okay. Okay. Thank you. It and it shouldn't because it is creepy Just, as fuck. I'm sure every baby metal concert looks like a bunch of kids with their stepdads, but nobody's related. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just some it guy. looks like he's there with the kid, yeah. but he's really just by himself. It's some 40-year-old 40 40 dude that creeps in with the three 14-year-olds yeah. right behind him. Like, I'm just here with the kids. Yeah. That's what yeah. It, yeah. As he breathes heavily in the third row. Yeah. You can, brings them all hot dogs all right guys i'm with you and tell no one <laughs> so with that guys so there there, there is a market for that audience because i mean i'm assuming that baby metal was supposed to be sold to like tweens and stuff like that and then it got sold to like but you dude, know, much does, more that does make you know? more sense if the market the, the demographic that it's meant for is tweens and then if they're going to go the tween metal route then i'm going to d- hate it 
also because I'm going to hate whatever comes out of tween metal probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. Jocelyn's I mean, so good. Jocelyn just turned 30 and she already hates young people. I don't, I'm so I glad to see don't want to hear the one direction of metal. I don't want to hear <laughs> oh, it. It's happening. I don't want to hear it. You've already been hearing it. We have been hearing it for a yeah, while. It's fair. just this right here is being, is putting it on display is what it is. Maybe I'm being too cynical. Maybe they'll like really try and up the tween metal. When scene. you said the one direction of metal, my stomach hurt. Yeah. Cause that's, that's what's going to happen. happen that's dude. what I'm telling yeah. you. Dude, it's already happening. It's going to be like five dudes with fuckboy haircuts Dude, from Ireland, and they're going to be they they like just they listen to one Metallica album, and then they were like, "We can do this." Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can, can I just ask what a fuckboy haircut is? Yeah, you know what it is. It's where they shave it all on the sides, but it's the Skeeter haircut from Doug, where they only have the hair on the top. Pete, do you remember what Doug was? It was in it was Doug Nick, Funny, the Nickelodeon it was cartoons. Nick no? no. All right, moving the, on. The, I know what you're talking so about. So it's like the word. Oh, everybody sh- else probably know, does. Too. Okay, yeah. how about this? The they logo, shave the side and they only have it on the top. The old logo for GoDaddy. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's just like it's just it's the haircut of a dude who wears like really skinny pants that are too short and no socks with his boat shoes. Mm. Like that dude. Yes. But that wearing, sounds like a tween metal uh, hit right well, there. <laughs> boat shoes. <laughs> But seriously, though, like if you listen to the metal that's being, if you listen to the metal that that they're trying to make popular, it is. There's a lot of synthesizing in there. Exactly. There's a lot of e- there's a lot of EDM influence in it. There's a lot of like weird cry metal influence in it. See, the cry metal is is what I'm talking about. The auto tune has been happening auto-tune, for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the auto tune. I can't do the cry metal. It's the, there's like that Marilyn Manson backup DJ producing thing that happens after they record the song where everything like skips back and forth and it sounds like you have a skipping CD but with a cool effect. Do you know what I don't like? And fuckboy hair. And, and fuckboy hair. Oh, fuck Doug. Hair. Yeah, exactly. It's haunted cry metal with fuckboy haircuts. Yeah, put on a fucking hat, asshole. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Pick my, a haircut. Long hair or short hair. My thing is, is with the with the cry metal, though, the one thing that drives me nuts, though, is you'll do the cry metal. Is that metal. a genre cry metal? It's you know, gonna like that, be. <laughs> we're making it right now. We you know are that, making that it right now. that metal where it's like... Oh, I know what he means by cry metal. screaming for like 90 seconds and all of a sudden this guy starts singing like he's, somebody's got his balls in a yeah. vice grip. Now, now it's cry metal but then they'll go to like the screaming too so you'll, so they'll have a screamer that's like yeah. and then they'll have the dude that's like, been going on for a decade i dude, know but forever. now but but the thing is though is it's gotten popular but recently. none of those guys have had fuckboy haircuts is what you're saying not uh, not not until, not yet. Not so until now, baby metal not records. Baby metal records. <laughs> if we and if they would have had that haircut, the word, the term "fuckboy" haircut would have been invented ten years ago. So. That sounds like a good band for a cry metal. Fuckboy, fuckboy haircut. haircut. Yeah, I love it. That sounds like a perfect. Cry. That's gonna. We'll start that band. Yeah, yeah. We'll start it. and We'll become millionaires. Yeah, I can't grow that much hair. <laughs> I'll grow it for you. I'll be a manager. Yeah, you'll be. Thanks. You'll Thanks, be guys. the bald bad boy. Yeah, you'll I'll be, be the bald bad Pete boy. Will be, Pete will be our, our uh, sleazy P Martini. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do a demo and send it to Baby Metal Records. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's go. Oh my God, let's do it and see if we can get on. <laughs> oh shit. I call the, I call this. Don't change my SpongeBob. Two, three, four. <laughs> don't change my SpongeBob. <laughs> Next story, guys. <laughs> so it's Paw Patrol, go. <laughs> The Dead Cross, one of our favorite records of last year. They just dropped an EP, a surprise record. Now, this is the third surprise record that's been dropped on us of bands that are, are awesome in the last, like, three or four weeks. Yeah. Obviously, Sleep put the big one out on 420. Cancer Bats put one out on 422. I love Cancer Bats. But that one kind of was under the radar. I don't know if a lot of people knew that one. And then now Dead Cross is dropping a little EP uh, surprise. No promotion. Just here you go. Here's some extra shit. What do you guys uh, think about this uh the surprise release stuff. Are you guys on into board with it. this? Into I'm it. not into it. And I'll tell you why, because 
eventually because I'm into it because Gooch isn't. Well, there you go. I just don't like the idea of guys putting out art and then it not being recognized, and then they're like, "Well, it was right there, bro. It was right there. Why didn't, why, why, why didn't you check it out?" Well, like, like they're not doing that. Well, but what I'm saying is, there's no promotion that goes into it. Well, that's you what I like about stuff. it. I like that it's art for art's sake. I like that there's not this whole like commercialized thing behind it. I like that they make this thing completely in silence in their own artistic space with no influence of of people giving people give feedback on albums before they're even written. So there's no external influence influencing their art. They're in their own bubble. They get to completely create this pure piece of something that's theirs, and then they and go, then they just uh, hide it under the rug in the snowstorm. Okay, of the I'm. I'm <laughs> no. Well, I'm not, okay, I'm, I'm not switching saying, my answer. I'm, I'm going with Jocelyn's I'm not saying you shouldn't promote it after they release it. Mm. I'm just saying that I like the fact that they're like, hey, because they will. They'll say, hey, guys, we just put out a new EP. It's something specific for the fans. Is yeah, what you're I think that it's for. I think it's, it's 100% for the diehard fans. Yes. Not just not just the guys that are like, oh, Dick Rose, Mike Van, Lombardo, yeah. let's see what it is. Let's see what this is into. It's like. Dude, I love this band. I feel like it's yeah, a, you're right. it's a freedom. It it's a freedom right. as an artist to, to create something they know it's for their fans. Uh, only a hardcore people who are into it are going to like it. You sold me. So they get to create it completely without any outside influence. But I mean, the whole art of you know, here's a promote, promoting something, being able to pre-order it, the anticipation of a song. That whole the whole process of that is exciting for most fans, right? So when it's just like here's everything, you know do whatever you want with it. You know, it's, it's, it's the same album. It's the same, I guess, you know, you're going to get the same content, but I feel like it's just going to get washed over and not get enough press that it needs. Like if it's, I feel, if it's good, that won't matter. Well, see, that's the thing is like, we have, to, it's, we well, have too much media coming at us. It doesn't mean if it's good or bad, but like I said, the cancer bat record, it, I completely, it flew by me. All I'm saying I didn't, is, I didn't pick up, pick you were, up on that. You were talking about that though, but Avenged Sevenfold, when they dropped their album, they still haven't recovered from that. They, they're still going like, yeah, we should have put some kind of effort out there. Like we really thought that it would be super rock and roll to drop it and drop it at a record store with it. And then, and then all of a sudden it'd be like, Hey, guess what came out today? But oh, see, run out there and get it. Well, if you're not looking forward to it, I mean, there yeah. is a point from a marketing perspective. I'm saying, but I'm talking from an artistic perspective. There's something pure in what they're doing. But you still you're, you're have right. to want, and I get the pure part of it, but you still have to want to sell records. And there is, promoting is the power of persuasion. But we already and, established people aren't buying records. Oh, I know. I know. No, they will. If, if, like I said, the power of persuasion. We're persuading people every week about, about music. But we are because we love the bands as well. But the point is that that's what promoting is let me try to persuade someone to listen to this bad let me try to persuade someone to actually buy this physical record because this song is great to just ignore all that and just kind of put a record out there i think there's gonna be some of the like the sleep record's probably gonna be in a lot of top 10 lists like that it's a great record it's our first one in 20 years there's no doubt like that they were gonna put out a fantastic record i fucking love it but the point is is that if they promoted it and there was interviews behind it and there was all this stuff I think that like I think it would have it would have made a bigger impact than I feel it did. I think I I understand what you're trying to say and my thing is is what I want them to do is put out the record, promote it, that way they get a bigger return yeah. and then it forces them to well, do it again I, I to underst- write more. I understand the logistics of that. I understand, right. but it, that is my own personal but hippie, as a, heart, as a consumer, hippie heart, not yeah. liking cons- you know capitalism. As a consumer, you bought art. something. As a consumer, you bought something that no one told you to buy. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's like completely exactly. It's me complete. It's me comp- consuming art for the sake of art's sake. And as an artist, I think I would love that feeling. I would love the feeling of knowing that there's those people consumed my art for the sake of art, not because I told them to, not because I persuaded them to. Because they love my art. Nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Did you say it right? That totally sounded wrong to me. I made, I made people wet. 
<laughs> nope, no one. Okay, no sorry. One, no, mm. you, no, you didn't. Yeah, you took that too far. Yeah. That might get edited out. <laughs> I'll think about it. Pederast. <laughs> Next. Whoa, <laughs> with the pederast. <laughs> I said it's the T. Or it's more of a... I said or the T. Or it's more of a, a command. Hey, pederast. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay, so. that's... But you guys the, are bringing it back. Like, when I, was in, when I was in, like, high school and stuff, people would call me pedophile, and it, it bothered me. Oh, very. oh <laughs> dude. That's it was it was like it was like a it was like how I was. Teased. That is a good one. The pedophile? No, my, fuck you. My, pet, pet her ass, petter. Then I yeah. then I changed it to. Pete. At least yeah. they didn't say, "Hey, are your jaws on my balls?" That's what people oh, guys yeah. used to say to me in high when, school. When I, in high school, <laughs> which is like not even a good yeah. pun. Not even a it's not even a good pun, dude. In high school, they used to call me. Brandon. No one ever made fun of you in high school? How can you make fun of my name, Brandon? There's nothing wrong with it. Brandon had a mullet. Han? I had a mullet. Han? He had a mullet in high school. Han. I mean, tell There's me. Like, ha- I don't know, like Han Solo? Oh, dude. Okay. That's, a, yeah, that's, that's, that's a negative. <laughs> hey, what is this guy's last name? He reminds me of my favorite action hero. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Han Juan. Yeah. No. Okay. Jump Han Dix. <laughs> yeah, there Whatever. you go. Whatever. See? Okay. I didn't even get to jump on dicks. Wow. Well, yeah, see? <laughs> All right. That just sounded like he was bummed out that he didn't get to jump on any right. dicks. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't... Oh, I didn't even get to jump on dicks. I just don't know what to say now. Don't get fuckboy hair. Don't get to jump on dicks. It sucks. <laughs> anyway, so moving on, How guys. How do you not get it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. This May, Swedish death metalers Leak will release their new album, Carnage, via Metal Blade Records. Featuring members of Catatonia, Bloodbath, and Witchery, Carnage delivers more of what fans received on their 2015 debut, Mass Funeral Evocation. It's an album where you can expect everything from slow and bone-crushing songs to fast and furious riffs. Purchase Carnage now at metalblade.com slash leak. Once again, metalblade.com slash leak. And now, guys, here's my interview with Mike from Yob. Hey, everybody. It's Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Mike from Yob. Mike, how are you, man? How's it going out there? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. We're here to talk about the follow-up to uh, 2014's Clearing the Path to Ascend, Our Raw Heart, which comes out June 8th. Let's let's talk about this record. So the beginning of 2017 was a very scary time for you. There was um, a lot of medical stuff going on. Can can you bring bring us back to the beginning of last year? Sure. Um, well, I've been, I mean, really, it kind of started in late 2016. We'd gotten back from tour with uh, Black Cobra, and shortly afterward did about a week's run of shows with Neurosis. I've been... Um, in between those two runs, I was diagnosed with diverticulitis, which is a intestinal disease. And uh, I, you know, weathered that first attack. You know, typically they give you pretty gnarly antibiotics. I didn't know a lot about it. Um, I found out more about it kind of as time went on. But um, I had the the second kind of major attack of it, it was it was a lot like the first attack, which was a lot of pain, but, um, you know, more or less was able to weather it, and uh, this time felt a little worse to begin with, and I thought that uh, if I didn't feel better by that next morning that I would, you know, go see the doctor, and uh, my girlfriend had kind of suggested to me that maybe I'd want to go to urgent care sooner. And I didn't think I needed to, 
but within about an hour's time, I had changed my mind, and uh, I decided to take a trip to the grocery store to grab some food and supplies uh, for my girlfriend, just because I had this feeling that maybe I was going to get admitted into the hospital. And at the uh, at the store, I had another attack that basically about leveled me. Uh, it stopped me in my tracks, and like a it's indescribable. Um, but there's a mortal sense of urgency that I've never exactly felt before, and so. I was at the emergency room within the hour and uh, debilitated pretty quickly after that. Um, had a near-death experience in the ER on, on a table and a full-on like DMT-style just insane trip. And I've done my fair share of psychedelics in my life. I've, nothing I've done even remotely touched what this was like and um and that was from pain and then i was you think like the pain. yeah yeah the pain the pain just i i just shut down basically it was so bad that i dissociated and were you fighting um, in a way they, not to pass out or was it just i mean were you trying to i, I don't stay even awake? i don't even remember yeah i don't even remember any of that gotcha um i it just was one minute i was there and the next minute i wasn't and um and what actually brought me back into my body was them giving me pain drugs because while I was having this crazy trip, um, you know, in the room, I was writhing on the table and making all sorts of noises. And, and I wasn't present for any of that. I didn't see it or remember it or anything. And so they uh, started me on an IV for antibiotics and then gave me these pain drugs. And it was the pain drugs that brought me back into my body. Um, ironically, and it just woke me back up and I had a lot of pain again. And, and long story short, I had a hole in my uh, sigmoid colon and it let all this air into my abdomen. And peritonitis was already happening at that point. And the doctors said that I was within a few hours of dying and that if I had waited till the next day, I wouldn't have lived. And so... They took me to the hospital, and I was there for about three days without food or water, just IV fluids, and, and I was seeming to get better, and so they thought that they might that it might have abscessed, and if they had, that they could let me go home, and I could be home for a couple weeks, and then come back and get a, a, a less invasive surgery, and they gave me some soup because they needed to make sure that I could uh, eat solid food or some kind of food before I... They sent me home, and I had a seizure. Uh, and so, when the basically when the soup moved through me and it got to the hole in the colon, it just um, and my body went into shock. And so, then I went into the emergency, you know, into surgery. And uh, what was supposed to be about a nine, about a three-hour surgery, was about two or three times longer than that. Um, I'm told, and and it was very much, much worse in there than they had thought, though they did save enough of my large intestine that I don't have to have a colostomy bag. And so I'm, I'm pretty lucky. But, uh, and then within that time, I went home after that first surgery and Monson guitars, that's M-O-N-S-O-N, 
the guitars that I use, you know, I had a really strict weight limit. So he, he sent me a significantly lighter guitar and I was able to start, uh, playing guitar and I had ideas for the new album prior to getting sick, but I wasn't able to play guitar for about six weeks. And so the first thing I did was try to remember the ideas I had been working on. And I remember them like I was, like I just played them the day before. So that was great. And, and then from there, I just was playing guitar as much as I possibly could and wrote the new record in between surgeries and after the second surgery. So mentally, you never really got a misstep as far as continuing with music. Because I was wondering about that. Obviously, physically, you know, it's going to be a recovery time. But mentally, it never really came into play. Like you always had that same feeling and drive. Yes, um, I did. There was a lot of, you know, I struggled a lot with ADD, which is not normally something that I I suffer from. But uh, it was a combination of the pain drugs I was on and, and just kind of the nature of you know the surgery that I had it was it was a it was a you know I mean I'm told that it's a major surgery that's right up there with open heart surgery or something like that and it's you know and so you know I kind of would have to do things in snippets for a while and so I was really obsessed with you know, listening to, you know, podcasts and, you know, YouTube, you know, like Alan Watts and, and uh, videos and, you know, Christian Murdy and, but also like the Big Think uh, series they have where they, you know, interview quantum physicists and, you know, various kinds of, of thinkers that, you know, they'll have these short snippets of, of thoughts and ideas they're discussing. And I was reading, but I can only do like, a couple minutes of each thing at a time for like the first three weeks. So it was compromised some, but, uh, you know, I just kind of held on to the tail of it and was able to ride through. The record is phenomenal, but I mean, I think a lot of people, the expectation obviously following up, clearing the path to ascend people were, you know, the expectations are high, but I mean, your whole career has kind of been like, you have a genuine sound and you know, exactly what to put out there for the fans. So um, it's not, it's not something that we worry about, I think as far as like the content, but obviously when something traumatic happens like this, you know um, there are questions of like, was it rushed? Was, you know, anything like that. And I can, you know, vouch that it wasn't, it sounds amazing um, on every level. So, um, but with that, what was the most like unexpected challenge in recovery for you? Like what was the most frustrating thing that you didn't see coming? Well, there's, I mean, there's two things really, because um, for my second surgery, uh, which was basically, well, kind of, a, I mean, an ileostomy bag was not something that I ever envisioned having and to experience, and, and uh, it was uh, the most humbling experience of my life, just to be so utterly compromised, like, just utterly, I mean, it could be you know, and it could have been a lot worse, you know, I mean, I could have been a quadriplegic, you know, I couldn't have, you know, not been able to feed myself. I mean, so throughout all this process, it's all very dramatic, no doubt, but I also counted my blessings and knowing that what I had to deal with was big, but, you know, I could do it. And the ileostomy bag was a challenge, but this is leading into like, the, the official big challenge, which was after my second surgery, 
I contracted MRSA in the hospital and, uh, and also shingles. I uh, had a shingles outbreak from just my immune system being down and the MRSA attached to the shingles. Mm. And so there was this, you know, they had to stop me off of one kind of antibiotics to start me on MRSA-specific antibiotics. And then I had the nerve pain from the shingles, but then also from my second surgery. And then MRSA being an entirely new challenge, you know, having to wash all my bed, bedding and all my clothes and and uh, scrub down uh, every day and um, be careful what I was touching in the house. And, um, and that was the first time that I officially like truly had a bad day. <laughs> That's when I found that out. Like it wasn't that it wasn't bad before, but I had this sense of, of kind of survivorship and like a need to stay positive, you know, not just like as a sentiment or as like a, but more like I needed all of my energy for healing and to um, do what was in front of me. And I didn't have time to, to really be, you know, depressed or to be, uh, to have negative thought loops going on. And because it wasn't going to help my recovery and also because of the nature of where my surgeries were, anytime I started getting stressed out, it would send my pain through the roof. And so I would have to stop myself, catch my thoughts, and then divert them to something else and something that was contributing to uh, wellness instead of contributing to, you know, a thought loop that was just, you know, the circus has come to town. And uh, I just didn't have the luxury of indulging those things. And, and so dealing with that when the MRSA came that was officially like okay here's another life-threatening situation with my immune system really down and I just had to approach playing guitar every time I played and worked on a song like you know approach each session as like an arrival point because there was no guarantee that I was going to live through it you know any number of complications could bring me back to the hospital could uh mean for more surgery. Um, if the MRSA got in my bloodstream, you know, there's all sorts of, um, I mean, you, if you Google that, you know, that's a horror show. Um, so I don't recommend it. Uh, so there is, those were probably the biggest challenges of that particular time. Um, the other big challenge was just rebuilding my singing voice because all of my muscles in my midsection and ribs had both atrophied and tightened and then there's a lot of scar tissue so when i'm starting to like bear down on my diaphragm you know i'm moving things that haven't moved in that way in a long time and then there's also danger of herniating at any of the incisions so you know i mean i talk about this stuff and it's so like from another lifetime almost it seems like and um and it's dramatic for sure you know on the other side of it i'm I'm, you know, it's the cliche thing to say, but I'm, I'm better for it. And that's something that's really good to hear though, but your personality and like I said, I don't, I don't know really well, but it seems like you live in the present, you know, they say if you live in the past, that depression hurts you a lot more. They say if you live in the future that you're full of anxiety, right? But if you live in the present, you can kind of almost control what's coming at you 
um, with more patience, right? Is that something that you think really helped you during this year? Well, it was, it forced me to not live in the past and not necessarily live in the future. Mm. Um, because both of those things that you're talking about, either getting my anxiety ramped up or, um, getting into a depression loop and, you know, the depression for me, it's like, it's it, part of it's chemical. And so it's these waves of feelings that will come through, you know, it's like the disease part of depression and, um, and I manage it and have managed it to the best of my ability over my lifetime with various ups and downs. But, um, I kind of had to change, you know, my relationship to those feelings and disengage the, like I was saying, you know, kind of like the way I describe it, like thought loops, you know, the stories around those feelings and, and just kind of let those go for as many periods of time as I could so that I could be present. And then when I was present, my, my physical body pain was more manageable. So, and it was, I didn't really have much of a choice. It didn't feel like a choice. It felt like I had to, like I was getting hit with a stick by Rinzai Zen master to constantly bring me back to the present. And if I wasn't in the present, I got hit with the stick and it hurt. And so, um, I had to, bring it back. And so now, you know, as life is kind of normalizing and I'm getting used to a new normal within my body, it's not that depression isn't there or my anxiety or panic disorder isn't there, but my relationship to it is different. And the, the storylines that used to have so much power now I just realized how certain habits gave them power and certain ways of being allow for them to have more juice. And if I don't practice those habits, it's less likely to have the kind of juice to bowl me over. And, um, and I don't feel, I mean, everybody knows on some degree that, you know, there's an expiration date on our bodies and, you know, nobody knows when their, their last good day is. And so having kind of gotten a courtesy call from the other side, I, you know, shook hands and got the brochure and I know that I'm going to be visiting somewhere down the line. So I just, I'm really intent on trying to make good use of time and uh, being able to, to do another album and looking at touring again and being able to, be with my family and you know it just you know it 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 starts getting syrupy pretty quick but it's uh you know i think it's also feet on the ground and you know really trying to be be of of good good benefit to the people i care about and to people that you know care about the band and and uh you know it's a privilege I, i feel pretty lucky and that's a lesson, though, that like you were saying about that that separation of the the body and mind that you can't really get until you're there. You know, I think for a lot of people, because our feelings are so tied into our emotions and stuff like that, into how we feel physically. You know, and well, uh, yeah, and and, every, and everyone else's emotions and yes. cultural conditioning and ancestral hand me downs, and some of which has a lot of wisdom, and some of which is super outdated, but we still carry it anyway. And, 
and it's it's all these various things and you know i don't have control over you know the only thing i really have control over is my how i choose to relate to my inner environment and when i choose to relate to it in a way that is um at least questioning it you know like where is this you know asking an honest question then there's a space that allows for some different choices than the usual ones and um and that's an interesting interesting place you know it's not that i do it i'm not going to fall flat on my face a million times from here till my eventual passing and i've made a lot of mistakes in my life and have not lived always very well and so um you know i don't have any kind of born again sense around it i feel pretty you know feet on the ground just wanting to to do good that's all i know and and in a way that isn't um wrapped up in being a do-gooder just being you know present and you know not doing harm <laughs> no i completely get it i, I gotta tell you a story from my side is that my father was paralyzed when i was a, at a young age and when he decided to quit physical therapy like i just remember being so disappointed in him and he would just saying he just kept saying i have to strengthen my mind because physical therapy was it was it was weakening his mind it, it wasn't doing what he wanted you know because obviously he kept failing you know um or whatever expectation he had he kept failing at and uh so when he made that decision to just focus and strengthen his mind and let his body i guess be what it will i mean at at that stage i, I didn't really grasp that concept you know at the time and I don't think you ever really can until you are in a situation like that, you know. So, um, but that's just, you know, one of those things with, with I think, age and experience that makes sense to you. Because in, in, in your mind as a young person is like, if you're quitting this, you're quitting on yourself. But that's not always the case. Well, sometimes control is taken away, mm -hmm. you know, or the, the illusion that control is revealed. Um, you know, and when your body... Yeah, there's a lot of things that are easy to take for granted. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's no different than, like, you know, when you when you pull your neck or something and you just don't realize what it's like to not have a pulled neck and walking around your life until all of a sudden your neck is tweaked and you're walking around just, like, in pain. And when that pain starts to dissipate, and there's that kind of gratitude <laughs> that comes with it. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a saccharine example, but, you know, the more extreme examples of like what you're talking about, where somebody's entire mode of being is drastically compromised. Yeah. You have to, the different kind of dodging and weaving that has to happen. And, and certainly, you know, my relationship to that now is, you know, I just try to strengthen that within me that will, then give me the most tools to deal with life as it comes. And uh, is your is your dad still is your, so your dad was paralyzed? Yeah, but he's, he yeah he passed away at uh, at this point. But um yeah he was oh, man that's heavy duty. Yeah, he was yeah. a soccer player, man, his whole life too. That's what he did professional soccer, and then obviously for someone like him, you know, it was uh the physical aspect was was the most damaging because mentally. That that is kind of the gifts he was given, if that makes sense, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, certainly. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of wisdom in that. I think. 
Yeah, I, I'm, dude, there is, like I said, the time that we had, um, he made me a very proud person that, you know, and a good person. So, like I said, there is an, um, a moment of, you know, the lessons that he didn't teach me that won't continue on in the generations for sure, man. So, I mean, I, I can't say enough wonderful things and how strong he really was, you know. So, with that, before yeah. I start crying on you, man, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, so I love my papa. You know how it is. So, but yeah, uh, no, no, we're we're in deep water, so it's all good. It it, hap- it happens, man. Yeah, it definitely happens. So one thing I did want to bring up is that because uh, with the new record, a lot of the lyrics and a lot of songs you wrote, um, you know, certain religions like Hinduism and, and Buddhism have always kind of manifested and been inspirational to your songwriting as far as the lyrics go. Do you feel that continued on our raw heart or was it more of your experiences during this last year? I'd say it's a combination. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think anyone who reads the lyrics, sheet, you know, won't be shocked by anything I wrote in, as opposed to, you know, previous albums per se, though. I think I'm getting better at being clearer with what it is I'm trying to express while not being plain about it at the same time. And so, you know, I like to write with images and try to capture feelings, try to capture, you know, it's hard to write about something that can't really easily be captured in words, but then use words to then kind of give the, convey the experiential part of it. Um, in the present. I'm not saying that I'm nailing that, but I feel like I'm getting closer to, to what it is that I want to, uh, want to express. And, and at least in that particular time, because when I go back to the pen and paper and, and the guitar, you know, the only way that it can be feel authentic to me is if it's writing from then where I'm at then. And so, um, as I learn and grow and change and whatever it is that hits me, that's where I'm going to write it from, from that place. Um, one thing that is newer to kind of where I write from is I spent some time with a, a Peruvian uh, Caro mystic, and it wasn't uh, like plant medicine or anything like that. It was just a, a workshop, a three-day workshop, just talking about uh, you know healing and energy work and the Peruvian kind of mystic uh, worldview there. And I was definitely informed by the time that I spent uh, with this man. He was, and the people that were in the attendance of the workshop, it was, you know, I've done Tai Chi and Qigong and have some relationship to, to those martial arts and, you know, the experience of, you know, having, you know, working with your body's energy basically um, but that was something else entirely and very plain and very simple and really down to earth given the things that uh, he was talking about and uh, teaching. But um, I use, you know, in the song, Our Raw Heart, one of the words, I only think I use two spiritual quote unquote terms on the whole album. One is Rigpa, and, uh, which is a Tibetan term. The other one is Aini, and that's a new one because I've used Rigpa a lot in the past uh, in lyrics, but Aini is a Peruvian word, and it basically means you know reciprocity or sacred reciprocity, and it has to do with just the circle and, that, and the way that when things are in harmony, that people just naturally 
do things for each other. And it, it just becomes a circle of giving and receiving and giving and receiving and support. And, and it was in specifically related to how many people came to my aid when every, when my life fell apart and, uh, came to my aid with encouraging messages and, um, sending me books, sending me, you know, uh, helping me with like GoFundMe for, you know, medical expenses and life expenses while I couldn't work or play music. And my deep hope for this album is that somehow that expresses some part of that. And, you know, it's not just me, you know, it's like Aaron and Travis, my bandmates are, they were with me every step of the way. And, and the band survived, you know, we, we didn't know what our future was going to be. And so, you know, our friendships and relationship as a band, uh, the three of us is stronger than it's ever been. And it was strong before. So when I talk about me, me, I, I, you know, in relation to the band, I'm speaking for myself, but you know, the band is, is Travis and Aaron or, you know, there's no, we're all equals in every possible way in this band. And, uh, so our hope is that this music has the the reciprocity in it and all the support that I was given, that our band was given, now gets we have another album to show for it. And it was very much informed by all of that generosity and uh, strength that we received from other people. And how important, like, like we always, we were talking about the spirituality part and when you have, when you see that kind of compassion from the world, which I think, or from you know, it it was the world really on the GoFundMe account. But when you see that kind of compassion, I mean, how does that like change any kind of view you have on like the world? I don't know. I've always had a hard time with receiving, you know, help, receiving compliments, um, being, you know, any praise. I'm always skeptical of. Uh, praise of any kind um and so being in a place where i needed the help and i had to learn how to say you know thank you and learn how to be gracious about it because there can be kind of a reverse narcissism in deflecting compliments and deflecting gifts of you know somebody's uh passion for like the music that we create and I don't mean deflecting it like rudely, but just it's, you know, I guess just having, you know, depression or whatever. I heard somebody else describe it this way and, and I think it's really accurate. It's like, I just don't have the architecture or the shelving that you can just hang a trophy on, you know, it just, it just falls to the ground. And so, um, I had to learn how to, to accept these gifts and not feel like I was taking anything away from anybody. And uh, in that, in fact, it was people feeling like that the band had given something to them. And so they were giving back. Exactly. Um, and when people would like, thank me, it shows, you know, like, you know, thank the band, you know, for us being there that night to play the show, I always kind of felt like, well, you know, a lot of bands are touring and there's no guarantee that people are going to come to your show at all. And so when people come 
and they're enthusiastic and excited. It's like that, you know, that feels like the miracle. And so I've always felt like I've been on the receiving end and I've never really considered being on the giving end. And so it was kind of a, a perception shift that I had to grasp in order to be able to accept the help and and kind of get over the awkwardness and knee-jerking, basically lack of grace around it and, uh, and understand that uh, and really accept it for the gift that it was in, in, in the way that it was intended to be received. I think anybody can relate to that, though, because there's a sense of self and there's a sense of being. You don't want to take when people are because to me, a musician, it's like you are giving to us. You're never aware when you're in like someone's ears and helping their lives and all that stuff. But you are aware that your music is out there and does that, you know, so. And I just get compartmentalized because, I mean, I go through all my records and I can tell you every record that got me through something or changed my life. And anytime I've had an opportunity, you know, to, you know, to be in the presence of, you know, the people that make that music, you know, there is an overwhelming sense of gratitude. So, you know, it's just, it's very compartmentalized and, and it's a learning process and I'm glad to be learning about it. Excellent, man. So you did mention, uh, you know, the tour, you have a, your first major tour since surgery is coming up with Bell Witch. Um, any extra precautions or you're a hundred percent ready for this trek as far as physical and all that? There'll be some precautions. Um, you know, we're going to bring out more help than we normally do. I mean, historically, we tour very light, and we don't have tech roadies per se. Um, it's only been the last couple, three or four years that we've consistently brought out people that work merch and have a tour manager and, and things like that. Um, and I've always kind of had this kind of punk sense that like if I can't carry my own gear it's over um and I'm going to hang it up but you know things have changed between now and then and and I want to be able to you know go out in the world and you know with with the band and with the people that come out with us and give a hundred percent and so taking out some help is going to allow me to do that and I have to be a little more careful with my energy my energy isn't always very predictable. Sometimes I hit the wall in weird ways, you know, not like, you know, I mean, it used to be, you know, maybe I'd work, work a long work day and you kind of feel like you're hitting the wall and you kind of go into like a, like an autopilot to get through it. Um, in this case, it's like even the autopilot's gone and I just, my brain will shut down and I just need to go sit down somewhere and be internal and, uh, or lay down. And uh, it's just my body telling me that it's done. And over time, that part of it's gotten better and better. And so I don't experience that as much. And I, I exercise and take good care of myself. And I'll just be, between now and leaving for the tour, I'll just be continuing those habits and staying healthy. And then on the road, living as well as possible. And, um, but, you know, in truth, I don't, I assume it's going to be okay. And my mental kind of affirmations is around being, becoming stronger and stronger throughout the tour. And, uh, there's no reason to think that that can't be the case, but the, the other side of that coin is 
um, making sure that I'm not doing anything that is going to compromise uh, my health or my ability to do it on the road. Excellent, man. So last question for you. Recently, um, Will Haven just put out uh, their record Muerte, which is, it might be their final record, as they mentioned um, in an interview I did with them earlier this year. But uh, you did do a guest spot on that. And that was the first time since, you know, your surgery and your recovery that you actually did, uh, you know, a vocal approach. And it's the only uh, melody in, in their entire catalog. So, but how did you uh, get, uh, you know, in tune with those guys and get on that record? And at what stage did you actually record that, that, uh, that song? Well, uh, Lowell, our first bass player, turned me on to Will Haven and like 19, I want to say like probably 99 or 98, maybe something like that. And, uh, um, and I liked them, but I wasn't like completely on board um, until the Carp DM record and that record kind of blew my mind. And then the, uh, and then we got a chance to open for them. And it was really a trip because when they came in the room, we're like, Will Haven and they're like, yeah. And they were already familiar with where we were at and what we were doing at that time. And they were, you know, big iron monkey fans and, yeah, so they had like this, uh, you know, they really loved heavier music that was current, you know, the current new breed of heavy music. And uh, so they were doing their sound check, playing the song Saga. And just the sound check literally changed. I had like a mini mental, like, explosion of some variety that just changed me forever. And I watched Jeff play his parts like a hawk and, I started playing my guitar a little differently after playing with Will Haven. And uh, I started using a lot more droning notes and making sure I was using all six strings as much as possible for certain things to really fill it out as a single guitar player. And I'd already been playing, you know, country swing and things like that. You know, some movable chords and right hand technique was already pretty important to me. But then seeing Will Haven play and how Jeff put things together um, was another part of my own evolution as a musician. And we've stayed in contact ever since then, uh, played shows together whenever we could. Um, and then, so they're doing this new album. And when they asked me to contribute a vocal, it was like, there's no way I was going to say, I wasn't going to say anything but yes. And I did my vocal. It was before... Yab was in quite a bit before Yab was in studio. I want to say it might have been uh, in like late summer of uh, 2017. I did that vocal, so um, and recorded it at our drummers. He had the home studio, and so we recorded it there and sent it to them. And uh, um, so you know, I've been singing, back singing consistently for probably. Four, three or four months by that point. Nice, yeah. No, it's such a, a I, when I interviewed Jeff, I actually talked to him um, earlier this year and uh, when I talked to him, it was one of the things that I, I, first thing I brought up, I'm like, this melody that you bring in, it's like the sixth song into the record. I go, it just changes everything like on that record, the, the tone, all that stuff and it, it just really, really just, um, it was just a necessary part to their evolution and the fact that you're a huge fan, I mean, there you go you know there you go so and you guys have played shows right like i have no that would be an amazing show you guys both got records this year let's see if we can get will haven a tour (laughs) oh man we would we would 
we would love to play more shows with them. We've talked about it, and uh, you know, they're, they're a band that like they just occupied such an interesting space in the music in their world that kind of like, you know, I mean, what do you even call them really? It's like kind of post hardcore. You can kind of hear the, the, you know, the Sacramento, Sacktown, far Deftones thing, but it's like, but it's like blower heavy and it's circular and weird. And Grady's voice is like this perfect mix of scream and yell. Like, it's got a note and a character to it, but yet it just tears your face off and Mitch's drum. I mean, there's just, you know, when people, you know, I've played it before to a couple of people and they call them, they sound like new metal. And I was just like, no way. And it's like, I can't, I cannot accept that. <laughs> and uh, not that I would argue with anybody's perception per se, but I just, I feel like they, it's like they're, you know, like too heavy to be as popular as Deftones. And yet they're not quite post-hardcore enough to somehow fit in like the Converge crowd. But when you see that band, you, you see a band that's played hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of shows. And they're so short-footed and unconfused. There's no confusion on that stage about what they're doing, what cloth, what cloth they are cut from. It is uh, excellence. And we can say the same thing about you guys, man. So everybody, make sure you get out there, catch Yob on tour with Bell Witch, check the dates, go to metalsucks.net. Do not, do not hesitate to pre-order RR Heart right now. It is a phenomenal record. Uh, with that, Mike, man, I just, I really, really am just stoked that I got to talk to you uh, this album cycle, man. So uh, Thank you so much, dude, Thank you, for, man. for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. You're very welcome. Very welcome, dude. It's great to talk to you. Uh, take excellent care.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the new record by Yob, Our Raw Heart, which comes out June 8th. That track is called The Screen. Second song we played for you guys is off the self-titled record by Witch Mountain. That record is, or that song is called Burn You Down, and that record is coming out May 25th. Guys, both excellent records. Make sure you hear them, pick them up, pre-order them if you have a chance. And with that, guys, uh, that's all we got this week on the Metal Sucks podcast. Truly appreciate all those five-star reviews and all the people that are, uh, you know, supporting the show. And all the people that spell nuclear correctly. There were some people out there that were pointing that out. They they knew. They They said in their review, they said, listen, listen, this is how you spell it, Pete. Mm -hmm. Now sound it out. No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Debate. Go. See you guys next week. (laughs) The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.